Thank you for listening to the Kinky Conversations podcast. For early access to new episodes, bonus content, and exclusive access to the Sultry Soundbites, the Kinky Community Discord channel, and more sexy bonuses, sign up at patreon.com slash kinkyconversations. That's patreon.com slash kinkyconversations. Welcome to the Kinky Conversations podcast, where consent is king, pleasure is queen, and exploration of sexual expression is the name of the game. And now for your host, the delicious Zachary Phillips. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Joshua and Mary. Joshua is a 41-year-old professional dominant who's into photography martial arts and philosophy. Mary is a 31-year-old process manager who enjoys singing, disability advocacy, and all things Halloween. We talk about the intersection between kink, BDSM, and disability, the ways play can be adapted and tweaked to best suit different abilities and needs, the issues around stigma and fetishizing disability, as well as green and red flags. We also dive deep into professional domination, how to ensure consent, the importance of friendships before play, integrity, and vulnerability. This was an absolutely amazing and insightful conversation. Joshua and Mary have a unique and awesome dynamic, one that could provide a good role model for all of us. At one stage, they talk about a consent acronym, and I just want to highlight it here. It's M-I-T-P-I-S-A. Marks, injuries and illness, triggers, turnoffs, tone and time. Proximity, interactions and intensity, safe words and anything else. The idea being that you go through all of that as a way to work out exactly what your partner wants and does not want. I've written that up in the show notes as well as provided links to how you can follow Joshua and Mary. And remember to stick around to the end of the podcast, and I'll play you a part from the book, Kink, Volume 1. But without further ado, here's Joshua and Mary. So, um, thank you for jumping on the podcast. I've got two guests today, uh, Josh and Mary. Joshua or Josh? Joshua. 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 Now, um, just to let everyone know, uh, the people playing at home, this is my first... um, uh, three, threesome, three-way. Uh, we'll go. We'll go the kinky thing. I've not interv- interviewed two people at once, so um, as with every uh, threesome experience that I've ever um, had and discussed, there may be some awkward, um, awkward moments where we're working out positions and um, who's doing what and when. So um, please uh, bear with us, but I'm sure it'll be a fun, exciting experience for all. So thanks for jumping on board. You're very welcome. <laughs> okay, so um, I put out a request uh, to have guests on the podcast and. Um, I think Mary reached out to me first, um, saying that, um, you wanted to jump on board to talk about specifically, um, sort of the interplay between disability and kink or something down that path. Um, now I, I work, my, my day job is a disability support worker. I used to be a teacher. Now I do disability support, um, for a couple of clients that have, um, special needs down certain areas. Um, and you know, I, I work with kids, but in the industry, we talk about sort of having to help facilitate them 
to have a full and complete and total life. And obviously it depends on the disability and the struggles and all of that sort of stuff. But they're sort of interesting ethics that I um, have not yet had to deal with personally, but people in the industry do have to deal with because it's supporting people to explore their full truth, their totality with support. And as a support worker, that would be, you know, a, a way that, you know, the boy I work with is sort of entering puberty. So we're sort of talk, starting to talk about how we can manage, you know, relationships with consent and all of these sort of things together. So um, it's an interesting space and I've not yet spoken to anyone on the podcast down this pathway. So um, maybe I can let you sort of introduce your story and we can sort of um, go down there and we've got both of you on, so you can feel free to jump in on each other and talk and we'll make a conversation of this. What do you think? I love that. Fantastic. I'm excited to be one of the first, though, to come on and talk about disability and kink. Uh, Oh, please, yes. (laughs) I've been a part of the lifestyle for over a decade. And what it's been like for me is I've been disabled since the age of seven. So, like, I'm used to this by now, right? And I've I've felt like I've understood myself a bit until I had to come into kink. uh, Because then the world's kind of shift a bit, right? I have been, I've been exploring uh, since 18. I was like an 18 year old loudmouth teenager, and 18, 18. <laughs> I was. <laughs> now I'm just 31 and still loudmouth. You know, <laughs> it works out. Uh, but I got, I got to come into this lifestyle by saying I'm kinky. I'm kinky, right? Like I, I developed this word and. I found it from watching porn that I was like, all right, this is this is my life. But I never saw somebody that looked like me. It was always these able-bodied people. And I was like, can I really do that? Right? Like, can I mm. can I go down this like edge play, rough play with the way my body is? So I have scoliosis and spondylolisthesis. It happens to one third of one percent of people. So I could have won the lottery. I won this instead. Um, I, I won the lottery. Oh. <laughs> that is so so sickly, sickly sweet. It's delicious. <laughs> uh, but my disability impacts uh, my flexibility. Uh, I've I unfortunately had a malpractice. So I have like other deformities. One of my legs is longer than the other. But since... Finding Master Joshua when I did, there, there's there been no limitations, right? Uh, we just find ways to do it just a little bit better. But mm. I had found Master Joshua at a point in life where I was like, I don't know where I'm looking to go down. I don't know what my role is in this yet, right? And uh, we developed kink abilities in a hot tub in Lake George. That's a mm. real thing. <laughs> and we started to talk about my journey, right? And how I want to touch people that have been disabled and have navigated this lifestyle because I know how hard it is to come into it and not see people that are like us, right? So Mm. I want to create a support system to say, like, don't focus on the things that you're unable to do. Focus on the things that you're able to do, right? Like, how do we build a more inclusive community, right? So that's how Kinkabilities kind of started to come together and then it started to like take even more shape. We started to say, all right, well, we're working with disabled, but let's look at all the marginalized communities. Let's start to pull everyone in and start to tell everyone's story. But with that same, that starting story of disability in kink. Mm. 
I've I've got a lot I want to drill down upon. Just to um, you, you're you're calling um Joshua Master Joshua. Um, you you have a uh, a master slave um dynamic. Yes. 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 So we'll we'll get into that. Um, okay. and I do want to sort of um. Just, just to sort of clarify what we're we're talking about with the audience, um, Master Joshua, hello, you're you're here Hi. too. Feel free to chime yeah, in. Yeah, 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 no, no, <laughs> I'll chime in when you guys are ready. I don't want to. I don't want to overshadow the slave. <laughs> no. Ooh, I like I like this. I like the um the the, the freedom From sweet you're um. To sour. <laughs> okay, so so I just want to sort of like uh, respond in general to what you're what you're saying here. Um, I love it. I love the inclusivity. I, I talk on other places and here as well about sort of mental health and my journey and that sort of stuff. And what you're saying is like, focus on what you can do 100%. Um, I do want to ask, like, I feel like everyone, like, you know, abled or disabled will have limits that they can do. Um, and in this space, I mean, you maybe you can talk to experience, um, you know, prior experience or other partners or just who you've seen, you know, people playing with other people, abled or disabled. You know, everyone has limits. Everyone has um, things they can and can't do, maybe more psychologically or maybe more like it's less pronounced or less sort of quote unquote obvious. But mm. it's sort of like what, what I hear you describing is I feel what everyone should sort of be doing in this space. You know, work out what you can do, work out what you can't do, work out what your limits are, and then just fucking explore down that path to the utmost degree. Does that sort of hit home? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. it does. So, 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 I guess that people, people listening at home, um, whether or not they have a disability, will be able to get something from this talk. Because, yes, like I, I, I want to go down the inclusivity path and all of that sort of stuff. But everyone needs to be aware of each other's limits, what they can and can't do. And you know, it's you know, like sometimes the extreme cases sort of inform what we all should do, right? So, yeah. Mm. Go on, sorry. Uh, what I was going to say is that, like, to your point, absolutely, anyone listening at home can connect to disability, right? Because we say this word, and there's people will automatically have, like, a picture of what disability looks like. They have their own set of definition. But really, it is more common than anyone could even imagine, right? Mm. So the reason I say that is because everybody's body gets old. If you didn't know that, I'm sorry to break it to you, but it happens, <laughs> right? We age. And the flexibility that we once have, we don't have in the future, right? Because bones are aching. You have arthritis. You have tennis elbow. You have something that is preventing you from engaging. But there's ways to say, okay, where am I at in my current state? And then how can I make this better, right? How can I still interact and still be a part of this lifestyle, but just doing it in a different form and fashion? And See when we teach... So, so I just wanted to jump in there, like what you're saying with everyone aging, right? If you think about what aging is, it is, you know, moving from ability into some aspect of disability in general, like just because you are losing the abilities to do what you could do, right? Like I'm, I'm 30, 34 now. I've been training martial arts my whole life. I mean, I noticed that um, Joshua does some martial arts as well. So there's a connect connection there um, just a little bit. Um, but I noticed that I can, I'm sort of stronger in some ways, but like you said, flexibility and sort of recovery is different. Now, I'm not saying I'm disabled, but I can't compete with the 18 to 22 year old, you know, stud athletes anymore. It's, it's, I have to sort of address the fact that I am older. And then if I add 20 more years to that, 
if I had 40 more years to that, right? And I push myself into the 70s, into the 80s. Well, well clearly I'm not going to be, you know, at my physical prime. Clearly my strength will diminish. Clearly I'll be at more risk of injury, right? So you are so right. Like it's very easy to look at yourself in the moment right now and be like, okay, I am here. But yeah, you will age and that aging will come at a cost of ability. So it's it's important that um, we we look to that and sort of realize that, you know, you're going to have to change how you play for lack of a better expression, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And even outside of that, right, uh, we talk about when we go out and we educate at events, we talk about advocacy, right? So even if you don't want to admit to yourself that you are aging, there are still things you can do in support of disability and disabled people, a part of our community and even everyday life, right? It doesn't, it can stem so much further than just the community, but it's just to say, lead with grace, right? Then lead that we're people, right? You don't have to tell our story. We can tell it for ourselves. And if we can't, we'll find a way to do it because it'll be in the people that we've trusted to tell our story. I sort of advocate down the mental health, the complex trauma, the PTSD, the, the sort of stuff that I'm dealing with personally. And like you said, it's different for everyone. And also, you know, it's there's a, a stigma that instantly gets put on. If I tell you, oh, I've got depression, I've got anxiety, I've got trauma, I've got a disability, I've got X, Y, Z, instantly things are flashing. And in the same way, if you say like, hey, I'm kinky, hey, I'm in a, in a dom-sub master-slave relationship, I'm into foot fetish, whatever you're into, right? Instantly a cliche pops up. And like, I have this issue, like, like as a, as a writer, right? Words are inadequate. They, 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 they are a, a placeholder for a collection of internal feelings and, and, and meanings that make sense to you. So if I say any word, what I think and what you interpret and picture are different, but the, 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 the medium that we're trying to communicate on is fallible. This is like a little bit of a nuance here, but it's important. Like if you talk about what your disability is, even if you explain to me with words exactly what's going on, I still don't fully grasp your story. Like there's, there's, there's always going to be this gap. And I feel like the only way we can broach that is by having long form discussions where you say, Hey, this is my truth. And then other people will be like with the same conditions or disabilities or histories or pasts will be like, okay, but I can do this that you can't do or vice versa, or, you know, I like this and you like that. And it's, I guess it's like the nuance of your own reality. It's like everyone is completely unique and it's just sort of like these labels and diagnoses sort of, and and I say labels and diagnoses, but like I said, the, the kinky labels and diet and, and sort of lifestyle choices, all that sort of stuff. Like it's, they're just words and it's just like you, you sort of play as you play and then when you describe how you play you're like oh we're in a master you know master sub sort of relationship and people will assume what that means but it's not necessarily true right absolutely <laughs> <laughs> um i do want to ask you say that you've you've started kink abilities um and it sounds like you're doing sort of advocacy um sort of reach out or sort of educational work can you speak to where um where and what you are doing do you want to talk about it a little bit? No. <laughs> so, uh, Kink Abilities was more so built on Instagram to be like a community, right? So that's what it first started off as, was just solely a support community to talk about disability and to just be this overarching support system for able-bodied and the disabled community. But overall... It molded for me. And it wasn't until I went to DomCon Los Angeles and 
master and mama, they put together some classes and they were like, you're going to teach. And I was like, oh crap. <laughs> I didn't feel ready. But uh, when I sat in a room, I felt so validated sitting in the chair as I taught, right? I heard my story amongst other peers. And so we got to be a part of that convention. And from there, I was like, oh, we need to do more classes. So the classes are kind of taking shape to talk on topics such as negotiation, right? We talk about how you pick up play is different from long-term play. How do you pr approach somebody with a disability and you want to play with them? What does that look like? What questions should you ask? Uh, we also talked about fetish fetishization. Is that how you say that word? Mm -hmm. Fetishization. <laughs> fetishization and objectification, because that's huge in our community. Huge, uh, and especially being a part of the disabled community, we experience that in a different form and fashion. So we bring a light to that. Uh, mm. Additionally, we talk through. Uh, I want to do a walk in your shoes experience, where uh, you get to be blindfolded and then like do tasks so you can kind of start to get these grasps of like, what does it feel like if you're not able to see, if you're unable to hear, if you have a loss of an extremity, like what does that look like? So it's still evolving. That's the best way I can answer that is it's a continuously evolving group and what we're going to do is unstoppable. So. I love it. I love. I love exact. I love all of this. Um, both the online and the um physical space work is, is great. Um, what I suppose I suppose if you can give me like a like a single sentence or single paragraph summary of like a maybe it's like an overarching like massive mission or goal like what do you want to change what do you want to see what do you want to accomplish if you could just like click your fingers and like have it done what would it be the biggest thing that comes to mind is redefinition I want to redefine what people look to disability as because when that word comes up, it sounds like you have just received the worst news and it's like has the most negative attachment to it. But if I could redefine that word, it kind of helps solve all the other issues, right? Mm. Like we talk about disabled people aren't considered beautiful or pretty or handsome or whatever word you want to use to explain yourself. But it's to say that, but what if I just show you that it's just a piece of me, right? My my story has more pages than my disability page. Mm. So if I could do that, that would be my my snap of a finger, genie wish type of thing. <laughs> <clears throat> One of the initiatives that we're doing uh, that started off as Kinkability and it transformed to Unmasked is interviewing folks who are at this point disabled and we'll, we'll move into other uh, categories of uh, marginalized communities. And what we're doing is we're interviewing them and then we're taking like boudoir or expressionary pictures of them uh, to show them in their identity, in their expression. And getting to sit here as someone who is more able-bodied, uh, you get to listen to the stories and and hear what folks go through, how their existence is erased uh, simply by other people not acknowledging who they are, what they what they have to deal with. It's not even a choice, right? It's some wild stuff, uh, very eye-opening and gut-wrenching and heartwarming, right? Because you get to hear how it affects each person differently and how they fight to to survive. It's not even like you could just wake up and have a quote-unquote normal day, but the stressors that are put on them by society in itself, forget about what they have to fight internally, <laughs> but imagine you're just swimming up the tide uh, against the tide the whole time too, it's pretty intense stuff, and um, 
what I hope Mary gets to do with it is to bring awareness and visibility to the disabled community um, without a doubt, like to show that there's a level of equality when it comes to humanity. Yeah, I love that. I, I'm i sort of bouncing off your overall mission of talking, wanting to talk about that there's more to you um, and more than just more pages to the book than just the disability. But I'm also um, cognizant of the fact that we are um, talking about the interplay between kink and disability here. So it's sort of like, are we um, going down the right path of discussion, if that makes sense? But I feel like <laughs> it's a little, it's a little bit of a um, hypocrisy, perhaps. But I do feel um, it's an opportunity to express to a wider community the realities. And there's, there's a few things that you mentioned that um, I want to sort of drill down upon. The um, the, the the fetishism um, and sort of objectification route I'd like you to talk on. Um, and also the, the the other thing that interested me was the uh, long-term, so the short-term pickup versus long-term approach. I'm not exactly sure of the wording, but there was something to that to be said there as well. So maybe we could speak to both of those things, take it, take it however you like, but um, I'm curious to go down both of those paths. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, that word, fetishization? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, but with that and objectification, I've I've experienced it firsthand. So I'll the best way I can speak on it is speaking from experience. Uh, when I was eighteen-ish, right, I started to explore and expand. Again, this loud mouth bratty kid. I I wanted to get out and feel out my my community, my society, and in doing so, right, I've stumbled across people that feel that because of because I am disabled right I am less than right I'm I'm not just like everyone else I can't relate to everyone else because I'm different I don't fit the norm but again what is norm but that's a whole other topic but when engaging with them right I I led from wanting to find love acceptance right uh, just see me <laughs> I want to be held I want to be kissed I want to be all those things and the other person saw that as an open invitation to take advantage, right? So it's to say, uh, for me, when I, before I had my surgeries that I did, because uh, I've had three, so I was at my second surgery at this point, I couldn't, I had trouble walking and I suffered from temporary paralysis. And to give you an example, what I was told from this other person was, I like it because you can't run away. Hmm. Right. Like I like no it because idea. I have to take care of you. Yeah. Like it's real stuff. <laughs> see, and then you're see, told. Sorry. Can I just jump in on that? Right. Yeah. Some, some dynamics like look for that sort of like um, sort of parental sort of um, sort of thing, but it's, it's by choice and like by consent. And it's like this, 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 I often sort of find it funny in this community. It's like the, the, the way that you approach the kink is contextual right so it's like if you you know the energy that you approach this sort of um sort of support daddy dom sort of thing you know you can hit the same markers but if it's approached in this sort of like you can't get away and you need me but it's not done with sort of love connection something deeper than just this sort of shallow thing it comes across as creepy and sort of like abusive and very problematic but that same behavior or that same sort of um, dynamic can be uh, like it, some people want it. Like, did you sort of see like there's a bit of an interesting fact in there, right? Yes. Uh, 
And I can share like our dynamic, right? I have moments of wanting to not be able to move, right? I don't want to get away, but I want to have the chase and I want to have fun. But to that same respect, like when you said it's a choice, it's consent, it's the person that I want to do that with, right? Mm. But in this moment, it was not with somebody that I wanted this with, right? Like I wasn't exploring kink. I wasn't exploring any dynamic. I was just exploring who Mary was and who Mary wanted to connect with. Right. Like there was such a difference. And in doing it in my dynamic, it's my choice. <laughs> right. Like I get to say a word and it all stops. <laughs> Cho- choice is uh, is key. You know, if you don't have choice, then you're not you're not really playing anymore, are you? It becomes something different. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, is, so, so you're saying there's this 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 objectification and fetishization, whatever the word is. We'll um, we'll, we'll write the word down physically so people can read that word and judge us for the pronunciation. Um, <laughs> um, but um, look, I, I guess like I've I've looked into sort of race like race things. There's like objectification and fetishization of race. There's like you know if you look in any sort of genres of porn, it's like the 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 fetishization is like in the title. It's like you know you know, demographic male or demographic gender does action to demographic gender, right? So it's sort of like it's right in there. So you could search for these sort of things because people do seem to objectify one another, right? Like they're, they're looking to do that. And it's, you know, maybe or maybe like that that's a moral issue for looking at porn and that sort of stuff. That's a different discussion. But when it comes to in-person uh, actual people, that you're talking to in real life or like, you know, digitally right now, uh, that's pr- quite problematic. Um, you know, the, obviously the, the porn issue is a different issue, but um, yeah, it's, I can see how that would be, be quite the, 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 the factor. So how do you, how do you protect yourself or be aware of this going on? Like, how do you know that someone that you're flirting with or you're connecting with isn't objectifying you or isn't, sort of trying to get a notch on the belt of like, oh, hey, I, I did this thing with, you know, this person that I'm, you know, with this disability that I wanted to know, know you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I feel like from a discussion that you and I had uh, with somebody that had experienced this, uh, that was one question that they had asked us is like, what is what is a red flag, right? And mm. And really, it was focused more on dynamic driven. And it was somebody that says, you call me master, right? Like they walk in and they like charge yeah. the room. And those are like red flags of like, well, where where did you all begin, right? <laughs> uh, but the other thing for me is the dishonesty, right? Uh, they say like they want money or they request something from you, but like they don't want to spend time with you. They don't want to be in your space. And like anytime you do engage, it's more in a negative tone versus anything positive or gratifying or anything you could leave validated from. It's almost like uh, buying attention, right? Mm. You give enough attention to to have them feel like you've got it, like they've got your attention, and then uh, they would withdraw in order to make the person feel bad so then they could essentially give for attention. It sounds right? like, like a nar- narcissistic behavior. Like that's all just very narcissism um, and very transactional. My jaw dropped when I heard that for the first time, but then it made sense, right? It's like, because I, I've, I've met people like that in the kink community everywhere in life where you meet people who are looking to get something from you just because of the person that you are. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's a sad reality of, of, of life is that there's a certain um, percentage of people that 
sort of uh yeah sort of try and suck suck the life out of things like when you say like coming into the space and just being like hey um you know be my slave call me master yada yada like people enter my dms assuming that i'm a like a, a submissive female and just just run with it and it's like 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 what what like you haven't connected with my content you've clearly just made an assumption based on you know the fact that i'm posting sexual memes and like if this is how you're leading to me online digitally like who like you sound like a trash human <laughs> so so may, maybe the 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 red flags are um sound similar I'm, and obviously you can only speak to your your personal experience but i'm trying to sort of see if there's anything sort of for lack of a better expression disability specific that would be like a specific red flag for you that um people that are non-disabled may not sort of have to face specifically. I'm not sure if there is, and I'm not sure if you'd be able to sort of step outside and speak to that, but it might be good for people that are in the community that are disabled, that maybe aren't aware of them, that it's like, this is what, you know, you need to look out for specifically beyond the, all of the normal red flags. The biggest thing that comes to mind is that disabled people receive disability checks. Some of us do, but, uh, that's the biggest red flag is that people know that you receive money and they know how often it comes. They know how much it is. Uh, they they kind of get a control, right? And you had nailed it right on the head. It is abusive, right? Because they, they know when it's supposed to happen, why things are short. Like I've heard the craziest stories uh, and experiencing it, like people assume that because I was disabled, I had benefits and I received all this cash. And that was like the first thing they led with was what can you give me, right? Like, Ugh. you're not going to give me anything else, but you can give me money. And I was like, oh. <laughs> you get a check? <laughs> so, so so, you're saying that it's like, it's it's effectively, um, they're assuming that they can enter a dynamic, become some someone to you and just basically live off your disability paycheck. Yeah, and it can be even outside of the dynamic too, right? Like it could be anybody. Mm. It could be a best friend. It doesn't even have to be a partner or anything like that, right? It's just to keep a mindful awareness to the people that you're interacting with and connecting with and leading with genuine thoughts and intentions. Wow. See, I, no, I, think, I, 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 didn't know that, I didn't know that about the friends, um, but it makes sense, right? Like... Every time, like every time I hear a new piece, it like it adds to this bucket of unbelievable human fucking actions. It's like what scumbags. <laughs> That's intense it's, stuff. It's 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 rough. Like I, I can't speak to the space that you're in, but like I can speak to to my own my own personal sort of journey. The more my my account grows, right? The more people just seem to be like, hey, you know, can you shout me out? Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? And it's like I don't I don't know you. Um, but like, if if you and I, for example, or, or you two and I have a discussion, and you seem like great humans, and we're connecting, and you know we have a real dynamic, it's like, yeah, of of course I will, you know, do the thing and share you and sort of use my platform to to push what you're doing because we've had this real human connection. You're not leading with an ask; you're leading with a connection. And and yeah, you can get worried that there'll be this sort of um, this sort of like next level manipulation where people are going down that path. Um, but in general, I tend to trust my intuition. Like speaking from a martial arts perspective, I've, I've taught, you know, how, how to stay safe. And one of the main bits of advice I suggest is, is that if your intuition is going off, even if you don't know why, trust it, 
cross to the other side of the road, be rude and don't open the door. Like if, if someone's following you behind you and you're like, oh, I shouldn't judge them because of X, Y, Z, don't care. Trust your intuition, be the rude person, keep yourself safe. Follow um, your gut. Follow your gut. Like, I mean, ultimately we're animals, right? An animal will run from what it perceives to be danger. It doesn't have to know that a lion's coming. It runs and stays safe. And maybe 99 out of 100 times that running action is wrong. But the one time that it is right, it saved itself. So I don't know, maybe there's a similar sort of thing. If you're if you're there chatting to someone and they're, they're talking about things and they're like, like why, why are we talking about my disability check money right now? Eh, maybe get out of there. Yeah. But too, it's it's hard, right? Because some people are just craving the human attention, right? So like even to talk about a disability check, you're talking. <laughs> yes. So sometimes you're not going to see that as a red flag, right? Like, and even when people are being disrespected, they're like, but they talked to me, right? They saw me. It might not have been good or uh, positive, but yes. they saw me. Yep. So yep. that's hard. I, I see that problem um, in the mental health space as well. People get so isolated and alone and they've cut people off and they've had bad, bad issues and yada, yada. And then the moment someone has any form of sort of seemingly positive connection with them, they latch on because, yeah, they're desperate for human connection. And it's not ideal, but, I mean, loneliness is a killer. Like, quite literally, it can cause, you know, you go down paths of self-harm and suicide and all of this sort of stuff. Um, and I'm sure there's a similar issue in the disability community. If you're already feeling isolated, if you can't access, you know, all of the aspects of the community of the world that able-bodied people could um, or able-minded people could, well, of course, you're going to feel lonely. And then you add to that the stigma and the all of that sort of space. So, yeah, I guess, oh, how, how, do, you, how do you thread that needle of, having the connection, but also making sure that that connection that you're getting is optimal and that you're not just sort of falling for the first um, narcissist that wants to use you, for lack of a better expression. No, that's perfect. That's like you you put it perfectly. I, I really enjoy your awareness and your language around these topics because a lot of people don't know how to navigate it. Look, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'll get it wrong. And I'm sure that like the language that I'm using could be problematic, but I think we need to, to look at the intention um, behind that. Like there's so much stuff in the internet space where it's like, oh, he said this, they said that. And it's, you know, using different words. But I think, I think a long form discussion where we sort of get to the nuance is needed. Um, I, 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 it's I'm sort of wanting to let you guys lead the discussion as well because this is is your is your space um, and that sort of stuff. I do want to I do want to get into that said. I do want to get into the topic of um, the the sort of short term versus long term um, sort of discussion and pickups because it's very easy to be flirty and fun in the moment, but you know, like it's like that sort of um, honeymoon period versus the uh, the long term slog. And you know, if you just want to have a have a quick uh, one night stand or you know a, a month of fun, well, that's that's one sort of relationship, and go for it. Hell yeah, I've done that a couple of times. It's great. Um, but if you're in it for the long haul, there's um, some different sort of uh, things that we've got to consider, right? So maybe you can speak to to those that sort of space. Sure. So when I say like pick up play, this is like you see somebody at the party and you're like, oh who are you, right? Like you're, you're kind of feeling them out. You don't know much about them, but maybe there's not enough there. Like you're testing the waters, right? It's not to say like, we need coffee. It's saying, okay, like I'm feeling very connected to you. I want to play. 
And after this, I'd love to talk about the connection that we do at our events because it's absolutely amazing, right? Because we do this work ahead of time. But the pickup play is to say, how are you feeling right now? And when I say that pickup play is easier to negotiate than long-term play, it is easier for me to tell you how I am feeling right now in this moment than it is going to be for me to tell you how I'm going to feel in three weeks when we play together, right? Because my limitations might change. And just because I'm feeling a little less flexible today doesn't mean I won't be able to throw my head, like my legs over my head the next day, right? I'm not that adventurous, but it, it's just to show those those two sides, right? And so when we teach people about pickup play, we say at least acknowledge disability, right? Like, and you have your acronym too, Mid-piece? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we um, so uh, pick up play short term versus long term. Uh, short term, let's say you're at an event, and and this can be anywhere where you meet someone and you just it doesn't even have to be a kink setting. If anyone's listening that isn't into BDSM or out there, but imagine you're meeting someone for the first time, you you vibe so well that you want to be intimate with each other and vulnerable to whatever degree you choose. It's important to have that that discussion of what's permissible and what isn't and uh we've been doing i've been doing education for at least six seven years uh and we've created an, int an intensive called people before kink and the idea is to communicate and to connect with a person before you go into the play right just so you can address the person in front of you get to know them to whatever degree that is and that can work in a one night meet or that can work in a lifelong relationship we created an acronym to discuss to uh, discuss what it means to to share experience with each other uh, in a way that both parties can be seen and heard and acknowledged in this process, and it is an acronym M I T P I S A, and it stands for um, works, <laughs> injuries and illnesses, triggers, turnoffs, and tone and, and time. time. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get you to send me send me that, and we'll put. We'll put that acronym in the show notes, okay? So if you can't, if oh, you didn't awesome. quite quite get it, we'll we'll chuck it in the show notes. But yes, continue. No, she's got it. She's I'm, tracking. I'm on. I'm she's on tracking. it. <laughs> um, P is for proximity. Uh, I is for intensity and interaction, and then A is for anything else. And S S oh, is for, S safe, for words. safe words. I skipped over that. And A is for <laughs> anything else you would like to cover. So the idea behind that is, uh, are you okay with marks? So like, let's say it's not BDSM but you're, you guys are biting and scratching and sucking on each other's skin, right? Like leaving hickeys and stuff. So any type of mark. Is a person comfortable leaving it or is a person comfortable receiving marks, right? You have injuries and illnesses. Uh, we're going to play today. Do you have? Are you on any medications that I should know about, right? Let's say we're hooking up with someone who may have asthma or uh, may be on blood thinners or heart medication, Um there's also mental health awarenesses to be around, uh, aware around that stuff too. Um, then you move to triggers, turnoffs, tone, and time. And triggers are uh, if you have anything that will put you into a fight, flight, freeze, or fawn mode. Uh, turnoffs are not that serious, but uh, something that just gets you out of the headspace, out of the mood. Um, tone is... How do you want it to feel? Do you want to feel sexy? Do you want to feel disciplined? Do you want to feel with a heavy power exchange or no power exchange? So what's the tone of, of the play that we're going to do? Uh, then we have time. How long do you want to play? How long do you expect to play? Right? Because if I came in with a 20-minute time limit and you had three hours, that's going to be a huge difference of expectation. 
Um, proximity. How close are you? How comfortable are you being? How comfortable are you having me close to you? Can our bodies touch? Can our hips touch? Can my face be close to your body? Can my lips touch your body? You know, this is where we get to uh, determine the space, the proximity of the person's safety and autonomy. Um, intention and intensity. So what are we going to be doing? Are we going to be flogging? Are we going to be spanking? Is it just sex? Um, is it bondage? And intensity is how hard do you want to be handled? How soft do you want to be handled? Uh, safe words. We stick with the, the standard yellow and red. Uh, there's a whole list of different safe words. Uh, I've seen up to seven. Um, all this stuff is easily found on, on Google and they're all pretty universal. So find what works for you and make sure you communicate it. And then A at the end is, is there anything else that you'd like to share? Anything else you'd like to share? Uh, something that we may have missed, claustrophobia, uh, something to go in with tone is volume, right? Loud or soft. So it's, it's built so that we can cover all the bases to make sure that we're seen and heard and feel safe within our connections. And those, those, that works on pickup play. That works anytime you're about to play. It could be with someone you've played with for years, or it could be someone you're playing with for the first time. But the idea is to connect, is to make sure that we, we connect all the dots and cover all the bases to make sure that you're feeling safe, seen, and heard. And if you're not, you can gauge that too, right? Because this lets you know, look, I put all the rules out there and you're not listening to them. Mm. Right, so it allows us to set the boundaries too, so we know where we're sitting within that experience. So, pra practically speaking, I always like to get into the practicalities of this. Will you sort of run through that list and just have it as a discussion prior to play? So it's like, like, hey, like, like talking through all of those, all those pieces. Of it, like, by the way, like, absolutely fucking incredible. Um, I'm going to start. Um, maybe I don't know if you've got like a, um, uh, like, like an infographic or something that I can share because fuck yes, I love it. Um, I'll share the shit out of that because I talk about consent, but it's sort of like, how do you like, how do you know, um, like even where you're at? Like you mentioned things that I haven't even considered. Um, because it's like, okay, I know that, uh, you know, right now I'm feeling this, but maybe like you said, later on, I won't be feeling that. And it's like, yeah, maybe today, like I'm not feeling, you know, I feel like I can be super dominant or I feel like I just want to just go with the flow. Like it's, you sort of hit all of these marks. And like you said, tone, like, like volume, like, oh yeah, like hell yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess like the question is, is Maybe, maybe, maybe when you first start playing with someone, you sort of go quite comprehensive, but the more you play with that person, you sort of can do an abridged version of just sort of like a check-in because you know, you know, the score. Is that sort of where you're roughly at? One, I mean, us personally, yes. Uh, sometimes we'll do a, a shorter check-in, uh, right? To see where you're feeling, how do you want it to be handled today? Uh, understanding that we've played a lot, right? So I understand uh, the extent of the boundaries and if anything changes in mid-play, it's okay, right? Yeah. That if we dial it down or she has to take something out or if she just calls and says, I'm just not feeling it today, that's all okay. Um, and all these, it sounds, it sounds, as I say it to you, it sounds uh, like reading off of a list, right? But ultimately, it boils down to a conversation, right? And we make it down into the acronym, one, so that 
We can have a casual conversation around the questions, but chew the acronyms there so that we can break that shit down as simple as possible so that even if you miss something, you can still come back to it as long as you do that shit before you start to play. Hmm. Uh, and it's super imperative that this is that you feel, again, seen, safe, and heard because in those spaces is when and where you'll be most apt to see the things you're really feeling and ask for the things you're really desiring because you feel safe, seen, and heard. Uh, that makes that makes all the difference in the world. Uh, and that can happen in a one-time, first-time meet, or it can, and it happens in long-term investments. Um, the trick to it is, do you feel safe with the person? Or are you ignoring signs because you want to hook up? I, I like that a lot, safe, seen, and heard. And yeah, not just, I mean... It, this has nothing to do with disability. Like that acronym should be applied to everyone's dynamic and also not necessarily sexual, right? Just like, 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 Hey, we're, we're, we're going to hang out. Like, what are we hanging at? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like I'm finding a lot of um, interplay between the kink space and the life space. You know, people are discovering, um, you know, it's, it's like how to communicate with someone, how to be, you know, respectful, how to consent, you know, like there's, I remember growing up, I would sort of say and do things just to fit in, but not feel safe or seen or heard and not knowing how to speak out and wishing I had a voice or wishing people would check in. And on the other side of things, I've been just thoughtless and just said or done things maybe to hook up or maybe to maybe out of ignorance or maybe just because I was unaware, but having a, you know, the older I get, the more mature I get, and the more I sort of consider this space the more I'm aware of, you know, people will do what I did. You know, people people don't speak up and people might not even be aware that they need to speak up or that there's spaces that they're struggling with. You know, so it's like there's there's so many different um, aspects of this that I think are beneficial both in and out of the bedroom. Yeah, this, this, uh, this was all created. Our connection developed off of the work that I've been doing around professional domination and when Mary and I connected, um, it was all for her own personal development. And she leaned into everything we were doing and showed up 100% for it. Um, everything we've done, the physical element aside, has all been around accountability and being a person of your word and integrity, right? It's, it's uh, I will show you exactly who I am and you show me exactly who you are. And in that space, we'll develop trust so that we can do whatever the fuck we want. Because I won't judge you, and you won't judge me. Uh, and that, that, is, that works everywhere. That works in work. That works at school. That works at home with your parents. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> now, the part of all of that is you get to set the bar for safety and integrity, right? If, if someone if, – if, think about the person you feel you're most complete with. Right? It could be a best friend, it could be a partner, it could be someone you trained MMA with, right? Uh, but let that be the bar of how you want to feel all the time. And then reflect on all your connections and say, which ones prevent me from feeling like this and why? And then maybe if you're up to it, given op an opportunity to change their behavior, maybe not, right? Maybe you cut them and move on. But it's like we get to a point the people I've worked with have gotten to a point where 
they want to remove the negativity and the impossibilities from their life, and they want to hear more yeses and more I can's. And it's like, well, let's frame our entire life around that stuff. What we learn in BDSM and leather and kink far transcends BDSM, leather, and kink, right? It's like all we've learned here are things that people haven't taught us, and that's how to communicate by a guideline and not necessarily. <laughs> 100%, yeah. Right. Communication. And now, mind you, that's off of knowledge and not off of belief and action all the time, right? It's like when you go to the church and the priest has all this godly gospel, but then they don't act it. It's like it's cool to have all the knowledge, but if you're not walking the walk, right, what are we yep. doing? Right. Yeah, so I, yep. that's transferable to this community too. You have people who know a lot of stuff. And that's another red flag to watch out for is people who talk the talk but don't walk the walk. Right now, not to say the walking the walk is easy, because that shit's not. But there's intention, right? Does the person intend on walking it? And they're human beings and infallible, right? And they make mistakes. Right, and that's just life, or are they just using it because it sounds cool, and because they're using it to gain what they want out of these experiences and connections? That's another flag that that uh, people watch out for. Now, how do you circumvent those? Right, ask the dom. Well, when was the last time you bottomed, and see how volatile they respond to that. Right, because vulnerability can be two ways. It could be a positive word or a negative word. Right. And if you find a positive response to vulnerability, listen to that. Right. If you find a negative re response to it, it's like, well, why? What keeps you from feeling safe enough so that you can be vulnerable? Hmm. Right. Kind of like one of those, what do they call it? Practice what you preach. <laughs> You're hitting on a lot of, um, a lot of things I agree with there. Um, yeah. The vulnerability space is something I'm exploring. Um, not sexually, but more um, sort of digitally or like sharing. I found that both feels good to be open and honest and vulnerable to my truth, mental health wise, um, sort of healing and therapy wise, sort of what I do in other in other places. But people also respond. You know, you can sort of you find that people just connect more to 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 that truth. You know, people people want to have a real human connection. Right. And like, how do you get that other than by saying, hey, this is me. The other, the other thing I wanted to address down this path is you sort of, you sort of mentioned like, hey, this is my, my totality, share your totality, let's connect. The thing I wanted to sort of just sort of, um, sort of look into there is, is I would suggest that most people, or everyone don't know themselves fully. Right. I try to introspect and sort of consider what we're talking about. Right. So let's say we're, we're in a dynamic, we're playing and I'm like, Hey, this is my truth. But then I, do, then, then there's sort of stuff that I sort of lurking, you know, the dark shadow, the trauma, the, the issues relating to disability, whatever it is. How do you address that unknown factor? Because it's like, it's not even like, I know there's aspects of myself that I don't quite know, but there's even things beyond that, that I'm not, you know, that are so hidden that will still be impacting myself. And it's an impossibility for me to be able to express that to you because I don't know it. So how do we sort of be to so totally open and honest as possible, knowing that there's stuff that we will never even be able to access or not yet at least? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should. So <laughs> when, it comes to, uh, when it comes to those parts that are inaccessible, the first part that a person has to come around to is forgiveness for not 
allowing themselves to exist as they are, right? It's, we have steps way before we even acknowledge what we don't know. Um, one, to understand that you're not broken and you're born the way you're supposed to be. You're right where you're supposed to be at in your life. Um, it's okay to not know because you've been put into boxes ever since your childhood was robbed from you, right? Your imagination and creativity. When you've been told this is how an ex is supposed to behave, insert any social marker there, right? Uh, that it's okay to not know, right? That's, that's uh, I think that's the far, first part around getting to accepting how much you don't know of yourself because everyone's winging it. That's another thing. I meant, I meant to write that down. No one taught us how to do any of this. They've indoctrinated us into a system of education and workforce. They've, they've ripped us out of creativity and connection and imagination and community village tribe they've they've mm. taken that out of our out of our makeup out of our identity right and we have to unlearn so much before we i don't even think you have to unlearn so much i think you have to have a life awakening of some sort midlife crisis something just not fitting or sitting right inside your body when you start to question the comfort of normalcy Hmm. And in that moment is when you realize, and it's uncomfortable as hell at first. Like we were, had, we had a retreat three weeks ago where we had this young man. He was twenty nine, and on a closing circle, continuing circle. Halfway through, when he got to him, he was like, "Because we do some deep introspective work. Like this is, <laughs> this is how how we got here was through our own journeys of introspection and development and." connection and relationship. So we created this intensive for folks who were looking to understand themselves. By the by halfway, when it got to him, 29 years old, he goes, you know, this weekend taught me I don't have a fucking clue of who I am. And he looks scared, mm. right? But no one tells us everyone is winging it, dude. Everyone is winging what they learned from their parents, what they learned from their teachers, what they learned in school and their neighbors and, and community. Everyone's faking it till they make it. And they don't even know what they're making it to. Right. So it's like, it's okay that you don't know. And no one tells you that shit. You're supposed to wear this mask all the way until you die. Like, oh, I knew what was going on. It's like, no, dude. Like, and that's okay because you're not the only one. Everyone is like that, but only a few are ready to accept it today. And you're here. Right. So it's like, we get there when we get there and we put those bags down when we put them down. And you won't see it until you see it. I, I love that approach. You, you're so right. No one no one knows what the fuck's happening. No one knows what they're doing. And even to state like, you know, you speak to yourself 20 years ago or halfway through your life, where am I heading? It's a different place to where you are now. And if you had have headed in that direction, you would be upset. Um, you wouldn't be happy. The, the, other, the other thing I want to address is um, slight tangent, but it's down the same, um, same feeling, is conspiracy theories, right? People talk about overlords and people ruling and all this sort of stuff. Perhaps the biggest conspiracy is that no one's in charge. The train's driving and there's no driver, right? And we're just sort of like, we're, we're sort of prescribing all of these ideas to this sort of overarching lizard people or whatever it is that are leading. It's like, this is all just, it's all just a collection of humans just sort of pushing down their own ends. And, you know, you sort of talked about society sort of indoctrinating us and sort of pulling us out of creativity. And like, it does that, but you know, it's sort of like, it's, it's a, it's a poisoned pill. Like you have to take it to be able to survive in society. But you sort of do need to figure out a way to 
keep some of the humanity and the creativity within this within the community in the space because it's like like it or not we're, we're in what eight billion people in a mega communities uh, we've got the digital technology like that's shit's not going away right and if it does we're in like you know massive apocalyptic crisis right so really yeah yeah together exactly realistically realistically you do have to fit into society to be able to survive society like this is the modern um tundra this is the modern savannah that we're, we're living in if that means you have to learn to work in a cubicle and do maths that you know primitive humans that wouldn't even understand because it has nothing to do with um you know the evolutionary life that we've, we've sort of evolved into that's it that's what we have to do but within that space I think you said like there's that that awakening feeling this displeasure you know some people find it through like a transcendental meditation or some sort of meditative experience or a a life-altering experience maybe someone dies or maybe they've lost their life or they get diagnosed with something or maybe they take a psychedelic drug or you know maybe they they become a parent or you know who knows <laughs> i see the eyes going up maybe at the psychedelic <laughs> drugs. <laughs> no, um, i have a story from last week friday if you want to hear it <laughs> look, feel free to share the story but the fact is is something wakes you up and you realize it's like, hey, I'm not 100% happy. And I think that leads people to explore the kink space, to explore that there might be something more, to go depth, to connect. Because there's a level of vulnerability and connection and intimacy that goes beyond the norm. Like, you just, like, vanilla sex isn't bad. It's the sex that's on rote and sort of done with the conditioning of society for what, you know, the, the marketing of like, Hey, you know, tick that, tick that, uh, get that notch on the belt and fuck someone, you know, you can, you can have sex however you like, but it's like, let's find out the way that you actually want to and can and enjoy. Right. <laughs> I think the biggest thing for me too, is like, as we talk about it, it's stop anticipating the next step because that's where we get lost in all of mm. it. Right? Like we can't focus on this moment because we're worried about what tomorrow is going to bring. And then if it's tomorrow and I do it wrong, like it's going to lead to this. And then you're so anxious over that, that point, that idea, but it didn't happen. Right? Like <laughs> I, at the same intensive, I went through something really big and awakening. We talk about awakening. Uh, and I've suffered with anxiety since seven. <laughs> and I, we ended up having a scene and it was in front of a bunch of people. There was a lot of it, there was a lot of hands. There was there was a lot of participation awards given out that night. But <laughs> <laughs> what it was for me was the first time that the whole, like my head went quiet. And I had this moment of, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have been my biggest setback my whole life. And it was the biggest thing to like look around the room and have like silence and be so secure with myself. That I was like, if anyone ever asks what they should do, I'm like, stop anticipating and always say yes. That's what masters taught me is always say yes, because you're going to miss out on something, right? Because I went into it saying, I'll never be a slave. I can't be a dominant. I'm just a submissive, right? And I'm, I'm only in the bedroom. And now I wear a collar with a bell and I'm also like feeding into my goddess energy. Like there's so much that as you explore, right? Like, just live in the exploration. There's a caveat to just say yes. <laughs> I was, I was going to pull up that caveat too, but go for it. No, no, I got you. Just say yes as long as it doesn't uh, 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 conflict with, with your morals. 
right? Morally, or is anything illegal and everything everyone consents, right? Just say yes as long as you have those three things. That's why they're the master. <laughs> I, I went through this same learning process myself. I'm I still deal with you know anxiety of different aspects and a bunch of stuff, but I went through a stage of sort of closing myself off and just sort of withdrawing and then i'm like oh fuck this i'm gonna say yes to everything and that was amazing but then yeah i found myself saying yes to too much um and not sort of listening to my inner truth so now it's like a my response to any invitation to do anything is just let me think about it let me think about it and then because i'm not just saying yes out of social condition or anxiety to say yes i'm not saying no out of fear i'm giving myself a breath to sit in the silence and be like hey i don't know right now because i don't um, I need a, I need a, I need the processing time because I just know myself well enough to know that I could be doing myself a disservice by insta saying yes or no. That's saying yes one oh two. There's layers to everything. Um, I do want want to give you like sort of open floor because I've sort of been pushing down different paths to speak to to any aspect of of your dynamic or your kink play with or without the, the, um, the disability informed, um, feel free to take it anywhere you like. Obviously you're talking about a master, master sub, like, um, master slave, my apologies, um, relationship dynamic, like, you know, open floor, like you've got a, um, what I'm seeing is yeah, a great dynamic, um, open and honest discussion, um, caring and considerate. So it's, it'd be curious to sort of just let you, let you sort of pontificate on, um, things that you might want to share. To brag away. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now you open up the door. <laughs> um, well, I'll talk on PBK because I, I've lived it, right? Like the people before kink. So, when I found Master Joshua, I had talked to my friend Christine. She's a mistress in Long Island. And I was like, wouldn't it be great if there's like a masculine version of you? And she was like, oh, sweetheart, like, <laughs> just go on Google. Like, there's so much more than what you already know. And uh, when I had first came across Master Joshua's site, they were the first person that popped up on Google. I had no idea what I was searching for getting into because I was just kind of like re-entering back into the lifestyle. And I was reading their website. And if you haven't checked it out, you should, because it, there's a lot of great information that's on there. But they were talking on, you're a person before anything else. And I was like, whoa, either they're really good at sweet talk, or they're really leading with a genuine approach, right? A genuine mission. So when I had first talked to Master Joshua, I didn't share that, like, I was disabled. I just came in as, like, a normal... <laughs> I'm interested in your services. I'm interested in professional domination. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know anything about it, but this is where I've landed. And they sent me an 85 question intake, which really fleshes out uh, life. life. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I am just diving into a complete stranger, all of my deep, dark secrets, right? Like this person is going to know me more than most people do at that point in life. And we met right as COVID hit. So it was like a week before everything shut down. So we got to spend this foundational time building a friendship. Because I feel like when I hear a lot of dynamics, I don't hear of the friendship first, right? Mm -hmm. There's usually like a connection or something just happens and it works out that way. But it was really cool to just be their friend. <laughs> and like, I 
bombarded them with questions every day. I was tearing apart their brain of like, tell me about what it's like to be a professional dominant. What do I read? What do I do? Uh, and I ran into this point in life where uh, you had spoken on mental health, right? So I, I was suicidal for a long time and uh, none of my family knew. But I share that because I hit, when I finally got to meet Master Joshua, right? Uh, we finally met in person. We were living in the moment. And it was like all this color flooded back to a black and white picture, right? Like I got to mm. be inspired by one person and their catchphrase that I saw on their website was changing lives one spank at a time. And I laughed <laughs> at it at first because I was like, who says that? <laughs> but it's just to show how healing this can be, right? Like it pulled me out of such a dark time in life where I was done done right like I didn't want anything else but I got to find it in kink and I got to explore this dynamic that at first was very mentor mentee related right like there was no intention to go into a dynamic it was just like cool we like hanging out we have a really good connection when we play it's fun because I begged for people to hurt me like that sounds wrong but I was like Hit me. Like, show me that you hear me. When she says that, what she means is <laughs> in BDSM and impact play, sometimes it's hard for people to raise the intensity because they're afraid of harming the other person. And the other person is saying to raise the intensity. But it's hard for the top to do that because they're afraid. Uh, and what ends up happening is the honor of the word gets lost in the actions because part of this process is to trust and believe in what your partner is telling you. And if the bottom is saying you can go harder, you can go harder, right? Understanding that there is body language to read, you have to be mindful of what's happening to the body because at some point they may be in subspace and not know it for themselves. And at that point you can call it for sure. Uh, and that's about being mindful and being present in your scene. But I guarantee <laughs> you're probably not hitting them hard enough, right? If you're thinking that you are and they're telling you to keep going, Lean into it a little more, right? Trust their word because it does a disservice for, for them and their experience when they feel there's a level of inadequacy either in the communication or from the top being able to perform, right? Mm -hmm. Or they end up feeling like, like I can't find it. I can't, I can't, no one's willing to do this with or for me. And that, that is, it also ne negatively impacts the bottom. Uh, they just don't realize it because... They're not being heard. That's, very, it's that's a very good point. Um, and I'm sure that there's a added layer with disability as well, um, that if the disability isn't known and, you know, because I've not looked into your disability, I've not looked into, you know, like there's, there's a whole bunch of things that are going on with a whole bunch of different people. You, you may, like my, my natural, I'm just sort of spitballing my natural assumption here. It's like, oh, I can't go as hard because of the disability. But like, like you said, yeah, like listen to their words and and trust that um, trust what they're saying. Um, I do want to ask a couple of questions. So you mentioned um, if they enter subspace, then you might need to call it. Can you just elaborate on what you mean by that? So subspace is uh, it's kind of a, a form of flow when your your body's receiving a certain level of sensation uh, and intensity. It doesn't even have to be intensity; it could be tempo and repetition, but uh, where 
your body, your mind isn't so much in sync with what your body's feeling to the degree of, of damage that it can be receiving. So it's like a slight detachment of, and not, dis- not to be confused with disassociation. Disassociation is a trauma response to uh, in- instances where you have been harmed and you disconnect from your body mentally, purposefully to, to avoid reliving the experience. Um, subspace is like when you have pleasure to the level of forgetfulness or flightiness or floatiness where everything just feels not bad, but, uh, like a level of pleasant or a level of sensory input. And you're observant of the entire energy happening. I was going to say meditative. Meditative. Yeah, it, so- it sounds like you're sort of describing a detached state. Um, the closest sort of my analogy is martial arts. When I am, I do jujitsu and MMA. And when I'm rolling, um, so basically like you're sort of fighting someone, trying to pin them down, control them. It's very BDM, BDSM-esque. You've got the safe word of the tap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, but you get into this sort of, flow state it's you know and 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 you you sort of lose i don't know you sort of like get into the moment and you know your brain quiets down and you can sort of absorb a lot more pain um because it's like it's it's like sort of like you know that you're in pain but it doesn't bother you as much and it's sort of you're sort of feeling it almost like how like i've read a bunch of stuff on mindfulness it's like pain is yet another feeling or sensation to observe and it's a warning sign in reality but you can, if you step out of it and detach from it, you can see it for what it is and not sort a of... sensation. Yeah, it's a, it's another sensation. And so I guess what you're saying is in that mode, like you have to be aware of where where you're at, where they're at, because if they're sort of detached from it, and it's like, oh, isn't that cute? That might cause damage that you haven't consented to or you haven't sort of agreed to. Is that sort of where we're, where we're hitting? Yeah, exactly. As the top, the top is responsible for, for managing the whole scene, right? Uh, the bottom's responsible too, right? Everyone has responsibility responsibility uh, in it. But as the top, you can't go into top space and lose yourself. You can, there's, top space and subspace are not the same. Uh, top space is a form of flow as well. Uh, and sometimes people can lose themselves in it. It's imperative that you stay focused on what's happening uh, because injuries can happen that way. Um, so as the top or the dominant in the scene, it's our responsibility. It's the top's or dominant's responsibility to maintain the safety as well as the guidance of the journey. And if you feel it's getting unsafe, and this is where your boundaries come in as the dominant or the top, if you're getting to your threshold that you can't physically inflict anymore, or you're feeling uneasy with it, it's your right to stop as well. Right, so it, scenes aren't only called by the bottom; they're also called by the top or the dominant uh, in the scene. Uh, and this is where all the conversations come in. This is where the discussions come in. There's no—you're not wrong, and you're not inadequate, and you're not bad if you have to call a scene, dominant or submissive, top or bottom. Right? This is all part of the process. It's—it's it's a trust-building exercise every time we do it. It's a communication and comprehension-building exercise every time we do it. See, and, and what, once again, like, 
when you're saying calling a scene, right, just pull this right back to vanilla play. If you're hooking up with someone and for whatever reason something happens and you just want to pull back from that, fine. You don't have to, you know, go through with sex or whatever whatever you were sort of planning on going through. It is okay to stop and change and do something else or call it if something happens, you know, like if you see it in the other person, if you see it in yourself, like I've had some terrible sexual experiences where I sort of went with it and just sort of went along and sort of didn't call it, not BDSM wise, just straight sex wise, vanilla sex wise. And on the other side of things where I should have seen that same um, behavior and body language in the other person. And we sort of just kept going and, you know, like maybe we came, maybe we didn't, but it wasn't like, it wasn't satisfying. You know what I mean? It was, it was, you know, and this isn't like, you know, obviously if you add the layers of, you know, impact play and safety and, injury and all of that stuff to it it's just extra levels it's almost like a spectrumal a spectrum based thing it's like it, the, you know like you, you still have these same issues with vanilla play it's just that the, maybe the consequences aren't as um extreme as you might find in um the the kinky space no even then i mean when, and what's crazy about it is it's even riskier uh in the vanilla because that's a, that's the line between sexual assault yes very true yeah right yeah, point and, taken. uh that's a huge, huge thing to be yep. mindful of. Uh, yep. Now, mind you, again, who teaches people how to have these relationships? Who's t- who teaches people right from wrong? Who teaches people uh, the definition of consent? I mean, I have people that I work with in their 30s, 40s, and 50s that consent is like a new topic for them. They could were you, like, I didn't know I could Could you give a quick no definition of consent? Like, how, how so, would you, like, give me a, like, the, the, like a succinct... Obviously, you could go into a lot of nuance with it, but if you were to teach... A child um, consent. What would you What would you express to them? Maybe. Do you want to go first? You go first. All right. So, what I would want a person to understand is con- about consent is nothing should happen to you physically, mentally, verbally. Uh, well, I can't say verbally because this is society. That's not real. Physically, uh, against your will, something that you do not want to happen to not happen. Now, I, I pull back on verbally uh, because. There's this whole craziness about I don't consent you taking my picture in public, right? Eh, I don't I don't consent you using that language, right? That's not realistic. But the physical uh, autonomy of self cannot be violated if that is uh, if you are put into a position that you don't want to be in. That's your consent being violated. If you change your mind from a position that you want to be into a position you don't want to be in, and they don't listen to you, that's your consent being violated. Uh, it's being coerced into a into a situation that you don't want to be into, right? Someone repeatedly telling, asking you over and over and over until you go from no to yes. That's pressure. That's a consent violation morally, right? It's like how many times have and anyone listening, how many times have you been pressured into saying yes, right? And it's a scary thought because it happens a lot more than we think, and not even in a sexual assault way. But think about. Going to lunch with that person you don't want to go to lunch with. Salespeople, salespeople, (laughs) marketers, just right. It's like it's it's everywhere. It's everywhere. (laughs) It's everywhere. So the importance, the power of yes and no is imperative, right? To understand that you have the right to say yes and no, and that a person not not respecting your language is is violating your word. So, so maybe maybe the summary is you have the right to say no, and that no should be respected. And final. And, fi- and yeah, I would, okay, yeah. And I would say too for everyone that's listening, because you had said explain it to a child, right? Mm. 
and for me, I have a five-year-old little girl who is uh, going on 35 in emotional intelligence. So, but, so is my five-year-old. They're up, <laughs> but then they then they flip back to the, like, the, the they, they flip back to the two-year-old. Mama, I need you. And you're like, I was just having a, like a philosophical discussion with you three seconds ago, buddy. What's going on? <laughs> Go on. But I, I didn't realize how important it was to talk about consent with her because she had mm. an experience at school and it was very disheartening to me to like hear that my child didn't know that she could say no. Mm. And so like when I sat down with her, I was like, do you know that your body is yours? Like, do you, do you know how important you are? And having these talks with her and we've developed them into like morning affirmations. So like, instead of me talking to her about consent, right, we've, we've made it more fun, right? Cause she doesn't want to sit with mommy telling her how <laughs> her yes. body and her parts are hers, but she now owns it, right? Like now she looks into a mirror and I've said, and now what happens in this situation, right? And she, she's a strong little girl. And like mm. when she develops into the woman that I know she's going to be, she's going to be so aware of what yes and no mean and the importance and toll that it's going to take on her body to mm. say like, if I'm saying yes, it's hell yes. Right. We talk about those in events. Yeah. Hell yes no, or fuck no. Hell no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like, that's the, that's the sort of thing that I'm getting into, like moving away from like the, the strict consent levels, even just as a life thing, like. I get invited to a bunch of social gatherings and I'm pretty introverted, right? I need my own space to recover. So, so, so unless it's like a fuck, yes, I want to do this. It's, it's a hell no, because it, otherwise I'm drained. And like, it's not, it's not consent. Like, let's say I go to the lunch and it's like mediocre, whatever. I'm not, I don't feel like I've been violated. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm fine, but I'm not optimal. Do you know what I mean? It's not, I'm not like thriving in this space. And then it takes me the next day to recover. And and I value my time. I value my emotional, mental, spiritual energy. And it's, you know, it's not like consent on a, on an abuse or assault level, but it is still consent. It's like, I haven't given my full consent to this and I just agreed, you know, going against your own beliefs. Like what's best, what's, what, what is your next right thing to do? It's, it's going against that. 100%. It's like I, I've, I've seen things of talking about like if someone's saying they don't want to have a drink, right? Just just accept that. Like you don't you don't need to ask why. You know, if someone if someone's keen, like like it's just let's just respect what people are fucking saying right now. Um, I, I do. Uh, we're sort of coming close to time. I like to sort of chat for about 90 ish minutes. Um, there is something I wanted to, to drill down upon like a little a little bit ago. You talked about um, the website and the professional domination and that sort of thing. So so, so can you can you maybe explain what how that works? Like, you, you've got a website that that you sort of are putting out there. What are your what are your services like? How do, how does that space work? Because people will, you know, dominate or sub- submit to each other as like a sort of a strict partner base. But it sounds like you're doing like an educational sort of thing, and then it's become like an ongoing dynamic. How how does that work? So. Um... Doing professional domination, my intention behind that is to help people self-actualize by giving them my undivided attention and not judging them to tell me their truth, right? And when we get to experience that, there's a level of healing that comes with it. Now, uh, sometimes I counsel and all I do is, I can't say all I do, and, and what I do is hold space for them to share and we process what they're experiencing in life and I talk them through how to approach it and tackle it. Um, the lens of BDSM gives me the permission to dig into their sexual identity too. 
around personal development and who they are as people, right? Because before we're our professional selves, we're human beings. And at the root of us is a human identity that is deeply entrenched in sexuality. My job is to get you to be okay with who you are, at least, right? Uh, fully accept and, and to grab it by the balls and run with it, that's the goal, right? Um, that's working one-on-one. -on -one. I work with people to self-actualize and to, <clears throat> if they desire to pursue their submissive journey with me, uh, I have a program that we follow that way that helps them dig into their past and their present to hold space for them and to talk through their experiences and traumas of life. Uh, we review kinks and fetishes and I help them reframe what it means to be into things or curious about things as opposed to saying, uh, as humans do, whenever we hear something we don't think we want, we jump to the worst case scenario, 100% applied to it, right? And it's like, well, let's find new ways to this. Let's see, how about, how about we do a little optimism here and we, we look at each one and ask, well, how can I, how can I enjoy this? Right, so we're not eliminating things out of our lives by blocks just because of the skin on the box, right? And that applies to everywhere in your life. When it comes to meals, forget about kinks, but I don't want to eat that because it doesn't look good, right? This one here, right? <laughs> that's why. That's where the just say yes comes from, right? Is, is the food? <laughs> um, unless she's allergic to it, then it's like say no. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of healing and empowering that comes from someone listening to you tell your story and not judging you. Um, that's branched off into a few education uh, series where we have uh, a retreat slash intensive, depending on where it's hosted. And those run from two days to five days. And those are a deeply introspective journey where we teach you how to hold space and communicate, uh, which was learned by doing pro sessions, right? Imagine for 10 years, I sat down with a person every other person I sat with, and I just listened to you, right? And I found the power in, in that. It's incredible what it is to... I, I work with a priest. He's been a priest for 40 years. And when we did our session, at the end of it, I had to walk him through his relationship with God, right? That dude's been a priest since I was three, right? Now, that's, that's a lot of responsibility in undivided attention and what it means to... Um, validate someone's experience, right? To say you're not broken. You're a man before you're a priest, a man of the cloth, right? Um, holding space is 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 beautiful. Like this this concept of holding space. I'm um I've I I have a coach and I use a coach in this same role of um, like a voice or text app, text messaging app where where people can just sort of speak to to me, not in real time. They can just use this space to sort of open up and talk and chat and they can just know that they're going to be heard. And then like, I, I, I get a lot from this cause it's like, I can speak to it when I need to know it's going to be heard. And then the person's listening with that undivided attention and responding back with a place of like knowing that, yeah, like knowing that they've been heard, just that might be enough. And obviously like you, you've, you've got that layer of the BDSM um, on top of that. So there is, there is a deeper level of, of, um, I suppose of intimacy into it, which people can um, explore. I, I I do want to sort of ask. So so it's like you said, it's professional, right? So you're 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 earning earning an income from this. Um, is that, some is of that, it is, yeah. Some some of, some of my like my I have my professional 
uh, relationships, and then I have my personal relationships. Yeah. How how do you balance the the ethics of like I've asked this of counselors and of psychologists and therapists in general, right? My I sort of went a bit hard on my most recent therapist because I've had a bunch of shitty experiences, and one of the first things I said <laughs> was like, well, because yeah, like a lot of them suck, right? This one's really good, but I said to her, I'm like, you know, like it's in your best interests for me to not be healed right because then then i stay your client do you know what i mean like it's in it's in it, it, what was her response to that i don't want you as my client for the rest of your life i hope that was her response <laughs> it was it was it was it was a it was more like i asked a few things and she sort of held the space and realized it's like okay she recognizes that i've been hurt from previous relationships with therapists she recognizes that yes that's her goal to you know to sort of help and heal and like you know Sometimes she finds that clients come and go and like, you know, we'll address a problem. We come back, we can't move towards it. Depending on the problem will require, you know, she gave me a realistic look. She suggested that we do a few sessions before we make a judgment on each other. You know, like, and it was, it was, she handled like, she, she I sort of went real hard with her and um, made sure that, uh, cause I was, I was just sick of like having this sort of slow build up of a relationship and then not being sure. I'm like, nah, fuck it. Here's everything deal. And to her credit, she dealt. And I, I felt heard and, you know, there was, we've, we've had like good sessions and bad sessions, but the bad sessions, she pulled back, recognized that it, there was a miscommunication, held that space, addressed it, and we've now moved on. And it's sort of like, I, I feel like there's a lot of um, crossover to what you're saying. And I just, I just sort of want to push back because like what I'm hearing and my intuition sounds like you're doing a fucking incredible job. Like it sounds like you're, you're, you will hit the marks that you're saying you're hitting um, just because of just the way you're saying it and what you're saying. But I do want to ask, like, like, where did you, like, do you have a qualification in sort of like, I suppose, a counseling or a therapy or like, like, and where did you sort of learn this? Cause it sounds like you're hitting a lot of like green flags for me, but you know, are you self-taught? Like, where can I get some of this knowledge from? So I can sort of add it to my, um, to my repertoire, you know what I mean? Or people listening at home going, well, I don't want to have you as a professional dom, but I want to get some of these skills so I can invigorate my personal relationships. You know what I mean? 100%. So I actually discovered all of this in my own journey of life. Um, I, I, I'm Latino. I grew up in New York city. I went to school in the South Bronx. Um, I look white, so I've had a lot of conflict in my life around identity and anger, and I've had to reflect around a lot of that. From, the, from high school, I went into the Marines for four years. From that, I went into law enforcement for 10. Uh, from that, I went into executive protection for about eight years. And in all that time, what I was looking to try to do is to find ways to help people, right? Ever since I was in high school, I could remember saying, I want to help people. Um, and all of it fell short. All of it fell short. Uh, I, I gained my life experiences through all those ventures, but what it boiled down to was an experience I had with a man who asked me, he had seen my technical abilities and my ability to converse, right, without judgment. I've, I've had my own journey of identity since as far as I can remember. I mean, I started having sex at 12 uh, in New York, in America, Manhood came from sexual activity in the 90s, right? You were determined, you, you, your manhood was determined by how many sex partners you've had. So I started early, right? And through a lot of heartache, through a lot of mistakes, through a lot of touching the irons, I've learned the importance of communication and validation and affirmation all by making mistakes. 
and I've learned the power of integrity all by making mistakes, right? By getting tired of shooting myself in the foot and changing my behaviors. What that all led up to was a cumulative effect of life changing because I've changed my behavior, right? From uh, doing what was right for me to doing what was right. And when I was able to change and read, not redefine, define what integrity meant for me, right? Because I didn't have that level of integrity I needed to to live a life that I was happy with. And this is all before BDSM. Uh, when I got into the lifestyle, I learned the value of open communication, honesty, integrity, and how powerful it was. And I've stayed that course. Uh, I've been doing professional domination for 10 years. I've been living this lifestyle for a bit longer than that. I've been producing events for about the same time, about 10 years. And everything I've learned, I've learned from listening to people, from shutting my mouth, and by behaving the way, behaving in a way that I can impact the person's behavior positively while maintaining my moral compass and doing what was right. Um, Am I perfect? Absolutely not. Like I dropped the ball a lot, right? But ultimately, I saw, I found the power of giving someone my undivided attention and, and sharing my thoughts and being a person of my word and they were a person of their word and we had these beautiful experiences on the other side of it. Um, there is technical training to do. There is mentorship out there to be had for sure. Um, but it all boils down to integrity and, and characteristics, right? What kind of person are you? And are you being truthful with yourself, right? The, the sexual identity, the leather and the BDSM part come in at some point when it deals with, are you being honest and truthful with yourself and your desires, right? Because that's hard. We carry a lot of shame around that. And imagine if you could find someone that you can be your 100% self with, hmm. with no judgment, right? That's what I offer. I offer that space. And it doesn't have to be just around sexual identity. It could be around the mistakes we've made in life. It could be around uh, pursuing careers that I'm afraid I don't think I qualify for. Like self-value is a big deal for me, right? Understanding hmm. and living in your power. Uh, I just happen to be lucky enough that it's within the, the BDSM and a sexual identity realm because I'm I'm like a certified pervert, right? I enjoy connection. <laughs> I enjoy certified love. pervert. Right? <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, but I, I, I get responsibly. I get called um from multiple people independent of me. They call me a sex wizard because of the beard, and I'm like, I'm like a certified <laughs> pervert, sex wizards. Let's go. <laughs> um, yeah, right. I just want to jump in. Uh, that that sounds like amazing um i love the the sort of like the the hard the hard look at yourself and then sort of moving what i think you said what moving towards helping yourself to just helping um or something yeah. something similar to that what i do want to just um do ask before we before we tie tie the conversation up is how do you know like what is morally right or what is integrity like People that say, for example, have like a, um, a, a strictly religious or have, you know, a certain ethical code, maybe through like a military thing or like a martial art or whatever, like people, some people sort of have this, this moral code that they sort of go to. 
but then it's sort of like you have to sort of figure out for yourself what that means. So I guess I guess what I'm saying is is how do you know what's right or how do you have the confidence to know that you are taking that right action? And maybe this is sort of like speaking to the, you know, the dom the dom confidence here, but it's like you know, if you're you're taking a space not only of um domination or like, you know, mastership, but you know, professionally. So how do you know that you're helping people? You know, and like that might sound obvious, but it, there's there's sort of like a I, I think down this path is like, am I doing the right thing? How do I know that I'm doing the right thing? Even if people are saying that I'm helping them, how do I actually know that I am? How do I know that it's actually net positive good long term for, for that person, for society, for myself, for everyone? Do you sort of see what I'm saying? Yeah, well, well, I get to sit back as, and I get to watch their personal growth. I get to watch them get the jobs that they want. I get to watch them build the relationships that they've been afraid to build. Uh, a lot of it revolves around coming clean to their partners around their identity and holding, learning how to hold space for their partners. And this happens all the time. After any intensive, we have, we have to leave a disclaimer to not make any life-changing choices for the next two weeks. <laughs> because people leave this place so empowered, they will divorce, they will sell the house, they they will find the life that they want to live because they're tired of living the life that they've been made to live. And dude, for real, it's like, listen, you guys got to, now that you see yourselves, slow down <laughs> because it's not a race. Now, I can get into a more spiritual and religious element to how I know I'm doing the right thing too. Uh, I'm, I'll summarize this. Uh, COVID hit. In March, April, May, June, around June, I was sitting in our space and I said to myself, by myself, I was down and beaten. Imposter syndrome was really heavy. And I said, man, I wish someone could see all the work that goes into this. I wish mm. someone could say they were proud, right? Because there are no cert certifications. Everything I've learned was through blood, sweat, and tears. And I've committed to it because it's, it's helped me find my power through my own sex addiction. It's helped me find ways to really connect and build meaningful relationships. I consider BDSM my religion as I define religion, how I treat other people under my belief system. My belief system is karma. And I treat people as I want to be treated, right? So I, I will give you open and honest communication. I will give you transparent and truth if you return the same. If I feel you're not returning the same or you're not a person of your actions, we got to shut that shit down. Mm. So... I was sitting here and I said that out by myself because I was down, man. I was, I could, I was feeling that imposter syndrome. And fast forward about three months and I was speaking to a medium. I was hokey pokey on mediums and psychics and stuff like that because I never experienced it, but whatever. So I hadn't spoken with them in three years and we were actually going out there to do a, psych uh, a psychedelic journey with them, a guided journey. Um, uh, to reflect on their lives and <clears throat> integrate what they get to pull out from their experience. We didn't talk about what I said. We didn't talk about my imposter syndrome. And before I hung up, she goes to me, Joshua, there's something I have to tell you. She says, there's a voice telling me they see all the work that you're doing and they're proud of you. Dude, <laughs> no one heard that, right? When I heard that, it reaffirmed to me, one, that there's life after death. We, we, came to through a little bit more discussion that it was my grandma that was the favorite grandchild, right? And I could, I could believe that because she was always, always had my back. Now, there was no one here to, to hear me say it. A friend of mine who I hadn't spoken to in three years who lives in Arizona 
repeated that back to me. I've since had it repeated back to me about two or three weeks ago from someone else. Uh, what I realized from hearing that was I lost my fear of time because it proved to me through my own experience that there's life after death. So through the process of integrity and trying to build meaningful relationships and leaning into the work that I do by holding space for others to find peace on earth for themselves, right? Or at least work towards that to, to understand that they're not broken. To be reaffirmed through things that don't exist within this vision, right? This, this level of reality. To have so much positive return in my relationships and in my life and in my journey with conflict, right? With suffering, because with suffering comes the reward of being able to hold space for those who will come suffering after in your same manner, right? There's, life isn't supposed to be pleasant. Life is supposed to be difficult so that you can celebrate the wins on the other side. And all of us within this journey, Mary, myself, our, our leather family, our intention is to ask people the right questions to help them find their own truths. Right? And that's, I think that's what, that's been the biggest takeaway up until this point is what is our role in all of this? And it's having asked ourselves the questions to find this peace and happiness so that we can ask others who come looking after us the same questions. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I do want to, um, yeah, mention that we're coming up on time. So I want to, we've talked about a variety of different things and I want to give you both an opportunity to tie, tie any loose ends up, um, or sort of add any sort of final thoughts down any of the, any of the points that we've, we've gone through. So, um, either, either one can, um, sort of, sort of speak to any, anything that they would like to, or add anything, um, floors open. Yeah, no, I I just enjoy hearing them speak, right? Because every time I hear it, it's like I hear different things. But uh, it's just really great to be on a podcast that is so open and your perspective is so great uh, just because you, you lead with such an open mind. And what you're doing here is you're providing a space similar to how you were talking about on that voice app. Yeah. But even in this podcast, you're providing space for stories to be told. And we can only hope that as Unmasked unravels itself, uh, that it provides that same concept just in a visual storytelling. So I, I want to use my time to thank you for your time uh, oh. and for allowing us to speak on disability and kink and also our individual journeys, right? Uh, we don't always get opportunities to do so. So when we do, it's really important. So thank you. Well, well thank you for, for that. And I, I thank you in turn for the same the same things. It's it's something that I'm looking at is yeah it's this sort of space is an opportunity for everyone to share their their uniqueness and you know I'm seeing similar themes with guests you know there's a lot of you know a lot of similar themes but everyone's way that those themes are expressed is unique and like we've touched upon there is this sort of greater than sex thing that almost everyone is saying it's like they're healing from trauma they're feeling seen they're they're like like you're saying like their lives are improving and turning around because they're 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 sort of embracing their own truth you know if you if you know your limits in in the bedroom if you or you could you you've got that introspective self-awareness to be like hey i can do i'm this flexible today or hey like hit me harder i can take it you can you can attack life like like you know what i mean it's it's like like the the you know being able to sort of like choose a better job over a non-better job 
you know, like one might pay you a little bit more, or a little bit less, but choosing to to live your values, which which food place to dine at, which friends to say yes, like it's so much more than just this space. So yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you for jumping on board. Um, did you have other uh, uh, something else to sort of speak to? Or yeah, add to? yeah, yeah. You you mentioned a lot of things that I will take with me. Uh, everyone has limits, visible or invisible. Right, that was pretty solid because. Uh, People think of disabilities, a lot of people think of disabilities as just the visible ones. They don't think about the invisible ones. And then we also don't think, like, and there's no one person in this world that is 100% able-bodied mind at all. Like, everyone's got some shit, dude. And it's like, and that's okay, man. It's okay. It's okay to think differently, to learn differently, to process differently, to mm-hmm. feel differently, right? It's it's that's okay. Uh, <clears throat> the other one you said would, was words are a placeholder for feelings. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take that one with me. Uh, mainstream <laughs> informs what we should be doing, right? That's phenomenal. And what I have to counter that uh, for the people, and I learned this one too last week from another podcast it was on, and there's a saying around along the lines of "Do what's natural, not what's normal." Do what natural. Yeah, I like that. Do right. what's natural, not what's normal. Yeah, hundred percent. Normality is defined based on the time and the location and the the sort of the people that are around you. That's what's normal. And if you look to history, what's normal uh, has produced a lot of catastrophe. Um, <laughs> when you look at it outside of that that local context, and obviously given the political yeah. climate at the moment, um, almost everywhere, you can see that normal isn't necessarily uh, the best option. So. Yeah, uh, take take a step back, detach, because <laughs> it's not necessarily the best thing. But to be to 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 push back on it though, you you still do live in the society you live in, so you sort of have to mold a bit. It's it's a it's a balancing act that I'm still sort of navigating myself, and I think everyone is. It's like how do I how do I embrace my truth in a way like like it's I, I struggle with this. I struggle to do it and. I think um, stepping into this space and finding um, finding like-minded people through it and sort of just being my true self um, in every aspect will mean that people gravitate to. Like one of the things that I've learned online is that if I just put my true vulnerable self out, like I don't have to appeal to everyone. I have to, like if I if I if I know that one percent of people that it, that see me like me, well, if if a million people see me, that means that I've got what ten. Don't know about the mass, but like, what's that? Ten thousand people that are following me now, right? Great, you know, like to 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 make connections, to make a living in this space, to do all of these sort of things, you know, to have a community, you know, hit that one percent tribe. Like, every everyone, I would imagine, could find one percent of people to like them, you know, or point one. You know, there's a billion, there's billions of people here, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe you could find that. So. I don't know. I have. I, I may have cut you off there. Um, you were sort of going through. I, like, I appreciate the the list of um, things that you took. The the inner teacher in me likes the uh, studious approach to um to discussions. It's great. Yeah, and no, you- that that was that, that was it. I, I and just uh, just to repeat what Mary said. It's it's been a pleasure being on here and and chatting with you. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much, and I'll get you to send through those things to put into the the show notes. I'll remind you of that after the podcast, um, and I'll send links to the different things that you've been talking about in the show notes so people can hit you up and connect. Um, I would also push or suggest if you haven't done so already, there might be a podcast space where you can talk about this your, yourselves or 
to, to talk about this sort of um, dynamics and stuff because the way you're talking is is quite engaging and interesting um, and I, I think that from an educational perspective there might be some sort of aspect that could do that would both help people and then potentially drive people towards the different things that you're creating um, so you've already got the microphone set up you're, you're already on other people's podcasts um, there might be something that you could consider doing there if you haven't already um, and if you have um, yeah link me and I'll um, jump on <laughs> and share, yeah, share that, it away that's in the woodworks <laughs> yeah um, I, I can definitely see a value to that um, I would like to listen I would like to learn more because like you said like you know if I can learn from your mistakes um, <laughs> Um, isn't isn't that the ideal, right? Like I don't want I'll, I learn from my own and will hundred percent learn from them, but um, learning from other people's mistakes is a little less painful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you once again so much. Um, it's been great. The pleasure is all ours. So I just want to give a super special thank you for Joshua and Mary for jumping on the podcast. Like I said, this was an absolutely amazing discussion, and I learned a lot. I think that their dynamic is on point and the respect and integrity and why they go about all things kink and fetish and BDSM, particularly with the integration with disability, is amazing. But I think the lessons go far beyond disability. What they're talking about can be applied to all of us and every dynamic. Because as we discussed, everyone has unique needs and our needs will be changing. In the show notes, you'll be able to find the acronym that they talked about for getting consent, as well as links to follow them. If you'd like to support the Kinky Conversations podcast, you can do so by grabbing a copy of the book Kink Volume 1. The ebook's only a couple of bucks, and I narrate the audiobook. You could also support the Kinky Conversations podcast via Patreon. The $5 per month tier gives you early access to all episodes exclusive access to behind-the-scenes footage and the sultry sound bites, access to the Kinky Community Discord channel, and a lot more. So if you're keen on supporting the podcast, jump on board the Patreon. And beyond all of that, you could give it a rate and review. Tell someone about it. Let people know. Let's grow this thing, eh? If you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor of the podcast, hit me up on social media or send me an email and we'll make it happen. And now, I'm going to leave you with a section from the book, Kink, Volume 1. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Twas the day of Harvest End. Twas the day of Harvest End, and the festival was in town. Liquor and laughter ran free. All sorts of debauchery abound. The young and the fun, they played a curious game. If you catch and kiss a maiden... She's yours that night to tame. The girls would run from the ugly, avoiding them at all cost. But when the studs gave them chase, they'd fall or pretend to be lost. The older women played it differently. They gathered in curious groups, trapping a prospective man, then together tying him in loops. Bound and gagged, the man pretended to struggle a big smile forming under his face as he began the first cuddle. The wisdom of experience caused the women to learn to only trap a man of great stamina if each was to get a turn. Now there was the curious case 
of old Jimmy McGuffin. Came home from the party to two girls wanting some lovin'. They were hiding under his sheets, just waiting to surprise him. Bare as the day they were born, just hoping to entice him. But old Jimmy took his time. He'd played this game before. Despite his age, he'd do this well. He'd leave those maidens sore. Because on the night of harvest end, all persuasions are accepted. With women donning fake beards, and men in panties expected. The town square was divided into rooms. On each door sat careful labels. Pain, domination, and groups, each with toys and pleasure tables. The nut's pleasures were more than just cardinal. Indeed, the dice and cards ran hot. With bets ranging from copper pieces up to an entire farming plot. Circles gathered for the cockfighting, more still for the quarter staff, where combatants fought till concession and none attacked by half. At the feast table sat peasants and the noble, mingling freely for the dinner's length, downing mushrooms, riot weed and haze, mixed with liquors of varying strength. But alas, all good things must come to a finish, even the day of harvest end. For tomorrow the town goes back to planting, sowing next year's dividend. And until the festival comes again, not a word of yesternight is spoken. The town returns to normality, actively stifling all their fun emotion.
You've been listening to the Kinky Conversations podcast.